This week's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. To get a free audiobook download and 30-day trial, visit audibletrial.com slash insideoutside. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash insideoutside to download your free audiobook today. Also, Dillashaw LLC. Not all attorneys are focused on startup legal issues. From setting up your entity to vesting agreements and term sheets, Bard has experience and connections working with startups everywhere and has been a trusted resource for startups in the Valley, Austin, and around the Midwest. On this episode, we discuss startup accelerators. We also caught up with Brett Byman, co-founder of Noble, a company dedicated to improving communication, workflow, and processes for healthcare providers. And we discussed his experience in an accelerator. All this and more on this episode of Inside Outside. Running a startup is hard. Running one outside the valley is even harder. Inside Outside is a podcast for inside access to startups outside the valley. Each week, we'll bring you real insights, raw stories, and tactical advice from founders and startup teams around the country. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Inside Outside. You're looking to startups outside Silicon Valley. My name is Matt Boyd. I'm Brian Ardinger. And I'm Paul Jarrett. This week, we're talking about, what are we talking about? (laughs) Accelerators. Accelerators. We're talking about startup accelerators and why they're beneficial. It's uh, Nmotion's demo day. A little. I mean, this is going to come out after that. But if you, you don't know, know, so we run a, uh, an accelerator here in Lincoln, Nebraska, called Nmotion, uh, part of the Global Accelerator Network, and uh, this is our third year, and we're excited to. What is the? What's the URL to that website? Nmotion.co. <laughs> Thank you, Mister Promoter. That was a joke. URL is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we should be having, you know, 500 people convene on the Rococo Theater in Lincoln. So should be a good time. It uh, should be a pretty awesome time. Or we'll time crash tonight. and burn and next time we'll be on, <laughs> I'm on super excited for it, I guess. I'm Thanks. super excited. It's not going to be fun if there's not a train wreck. <laughs> this is true. I mean, that's why I'm going. Exactly. I'm, I'm, well, I just want to see. I think. I you're introducing see. one of the teams. Maybe I will be the train wreck. The complete <laughs> epic me- meltdown. We'll see. Are, are the obviously we do believe in accelerators because we run one, but um, you guys yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how are they beneficial? What what do you see from other teams coming out of accelerators? Well, I don't know. You think about you know two, three, four, five years ago when accelerators were just kind of coming onto the scene. When I started in motion three years ago and was trying to raise angel capital, uh, people looked at me like, "What is this thing called an accelerator? And how does this work? And and why should I invest in these kind of?" early stage idea companies. Uh, and I think since then we've kind of proven the model from the standpoint of uh, it's really brought the community together and given an opportunity for some startups that wouldn't have had a chance before to get their bearings, get some foundational um, things under their belt and also give them an opportunity to actually try to build something um, Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> for, Leave that. For people who don't know, let's just define what an accelerator is and um, you know what the value that an accelerator brings. So an accelerator basically is uh, an opportunity for early stage companies to get a little bit of capital in exchange for a little bit of equity, but put them through a 90-day or 100-day kind of boot camp uh, where you surround them with mentors and um, all the kind of basic necessities so that they can start moving forward faster. And you kind of take that two-year process of um, you know, knocking on doors and having coffee meetings and all this kind of thing that you would normally take within a two-year period to kind of up and, and get your startup up and moving and kind of compress that in a way that after that 90 days, it's not going to be a complete company, but you have an opportunity to have that foundation piece to move the 
startup forward faster. So basically just accelerating growth or accelerating, um, taking them from idea stage to something of substance to the point where they can actually present to the community and present to investors and things. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just access, uh, speeding up the access to people because yeah. normally that would take, if you're two guys in a garage trying to figure it out all by yourself, yeah. um, with an accelerator, you have access to a network that you instantly that you wouldn't have uh, without it. Yeah. Plus you have access to skills and training that you wouldn't necessarily have either. There's like a instant credibility factor. There's somewhere. a credibility factor, but I think again, it's more just been, access to talent. Yeah. yeah. And there's access to talent for it. What's the difference between an incubator and an accelerator so or is there one? Yeah. So the way we kind of define an accelerator is we don't provide space and you know, incubators were popular 10 years ago where you basically gave cheaper free rent to, yeah. to uh, startups the issue being there was no real reason to leave that incubator. You know, it's like, why go out to the real world where an accelerator, we're trying to really give you 90 days of um, hard, fast learning, but then you're out on your own and you're yep. out there building your company. Gotcha. So what, what stage um, is ideal for teams to come into an accelerator? Well, I think there's different types of accelerators and different vertical markets and, and things along those lines where we focus um, at least the first couple of years is we primarily take the early stage things um, when you say early stage, what do you mean? Early by stage, that? where maybe you have a prototype, you've got a team, um, you've got an idea, but you're definitely not at a point where you've got traction or customers or everything figured out. Um, we've taken a number of teams that were uh, not even companies and then formed the company and actually helped them move forward from that perspective. And we've taken uh, teams that are a little bit further ahead um, and then again give them uh, further access to customers or to uh, capital that they needed. I know a lot of times people uh, in, in the investment world, they say, like, we invest in the people. But in an accelerator, it is definitely the case that you pretty much have to invest in the people because right. there is no company yet. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that if you look through the most accelerators, um, the idea often pivots because, you, again, you're not at the stage where you have a real idea of how many customers you have or who your customers are. And so you have to go through that validation process. You know, am I really building the right thing? And what am I building? Uh, we try to get them early enough so that they don't make a lot of mistakes and run out of money. Um, you know, I think too many entrepreneurs have a great idea in their mind, start building a product, spend a year to go through that and then find out, Oh yeah, I just released that and no one wants it. I think that's like everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> every well, an accelerator, I think every entrepreneur ever. What an accelerator does is if nothing else, pulls you back and, and really slows you down to speed you up. So it gives you an opportunity to test that and try those things uh, in an environment that, that uh, is conducive for that. And then hopefully you find something that actually then sticks in the marketplace. It's not going to be over after 90 days, but you at least have that uh, in your tool chest to then right. move forward. I think, I think one of the bigger things with an accelerator is the mentor network. So generally every, every accelerator comes along with, you know, X amount of mentors that uh, stick around for the duration of the program to help the teams. And Paul, you've, you've served kind of as a mentor to at least one of our, one of our teams here, but a lot of our teams in the past. Um, what's been your experience, you know, being a mentor in that kind of thing? <laughs> um, well, I've mentored in motion and straight shot. Um, I feel like I'm supposed to say all nice, warm, fuzzy things, <laughs> but I have plenty of, of critiques of everything that we're talking about. Um, my, my experience has been good. Um, it's hard for me because I just have the type of personality where like I'm all in or all out. 
Yeah. So it's kind of hard for me to like, you know, personally do a little bit of mentoring, a little bit not in, and just not seeing like the day to day of the teams that I'm mentoring, you know, like, um, I struggle with that. And so like in, in general, like accelerators and incubators, I'm really not that familiar with them because mm-hmm. as you can tell, I've actually been quiet so far because I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do actually, I am quiet when I'm learning. Um, but I, I think there, there's great things about them. Um, there's things that's like not my cup of tea about them. Um, but all in all, I think, you know, especially for, you know, we're in Lincoln, Nebraska, it's like perfect for like the setting and the community that we're in. But if we're in a town that already has like five or six of them, it's like just another thing. But, um, I've really enjoyed getting to know the teams and, um, if anything, you know, it's the most exciting part about me is when I kind of give some information or do something that's really basic to me. And I forgot like how long it took me to figure that thing out. I'm like, Oh, you just do this. And you kind of see the eyes go, Oh, I didn't think of it like that when I'm mentoring. And I'm like, Oh crap, I forgot. That took me like two years to like figure out. And now I just do it. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, um, some of the misconceptions that startups have whenever they come into an incubator or accelerator. Um, typically, and, and I think that the biggest one that I've seen is that like, we're just going to put out a product and it's going to market itself and it's going to, it's going to build, uh, its own little following. And generally that is never the case. (laughs) Um, so what are, what are some common misconceptions that you guys have seen whenever you just have to, it's like course correcting anything. Um, I think one of the biggest things I see when we're out, uh, kind of soliciting and looking for teams to invest in, um, you know, we don't give a ton of money. It's really, the idea is to give you enough seed capital to stay here for three months and, and work through the pro, uh, the problem. So it's not designed to give you their first seed round. It really is designed to give you enough, you know, ramen and rent money uh, to get you moving and, and Google AdWords and some other things to test yeah. uh, so you can go through. But where I hear a lot of pushback is, hey, that's not a lot of money, so I don't want to give up that that amount of equity. But it's really not about that actual cash investment. It's about everything else that goes around. Right. It. It's very right. hard to uh, put a dollar figure on. You right. know, if I said yeah, we're giving you a $20,000 investment, but then we also give you access to a million dollars worth of yeah. uh, additional services. And again, we'll speed up your learning from two years to 90 days. What's that worth to you in, well, in equity? Plus, wise? not to mention, like your most likely your product is like yeah, yeah, it's, no. z- it's equity and nothing like that, that you, you know what i mean yeah. like it's you're valued at zero statistically yeah. you just yeah. got equity in a crappy logo like yeah. that's exactly. what you actually yeah. got you know like like the incubator the i'm sorry accelerator or whatever it is like they're the ones taking the risk so yeah man you see so many times like uh entrepreneurs starting off they're so tied to that you know equity and 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 i think it's like one thing that they can understand and you know get protective about or whatever and and you know i've seen like really great things die because somebody's fighting over something really and it's different it's different if a startup comes to me and they have customers and and traction and and then they come to me it's like why do you why would you want to go through accelerator i certainly understand that but most of the people that we see are at the early stage maybe you know less than a year into their venture and quite frankly, at that point, you really don't know what you're doing. And Accelerator can really help speed up that process to get you to the point where you do know some things around it. Have you guys seen uh, attitudes change during like people in accelerators or do they come in and generally they're built one way and, and that's how like, is it the same personality coming in that leaves or do you a lot of times see people like... Uh, I, think, I think it depends. I think uh, generally there, there are some just 
really uh, rooted people in their beliefs that they stubborn pighead. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you know, they don't, they're not open to change. And I think that's, um, that's one type of person, but I, I have seen a lot of people kind of just be a little bit more humble and say, you know, we don't know everything. And, and they ask a lot of questions, sometimes too many questions. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you can just go- Google, line, right? yeah, it's Google the, the question. Well, the founders that seem to do the best in accelerators are the ones that realize that they've got to put in a lot of work to get the most out of the accelerator. You know, they've got to put in the work to find the right mentors. They've got to uh, put in the work to, you know, make those calls, to do the customer validation, to actually work the program. Yeah. Uh, and the more, the, the best founders are the ones that do that. I think people really underestimate, and I think I've said this before, like how much work it really is. Oh, and they yeah. think mm-hmm. there's check boxes or yeah. they think there's something and like it's discipline and hard work and it's pain and, and man, like even to be like, an okay founder or like mm-hmm. people really, really, I think underestimate or they think just cause they're putting in the hours or they're stressed or, you know, it's hard or whatever, like they're actually doing it. And yeah, it's just, that's what I see a lot of people just underestimate how much work it really is. I think there's, there's two really frustrating things, um, that, that happen that I've noticed that I've kind of observed is, uh, number one, that people just certain people just don't take advantage of the program. Yeah. Um, they don't utilize the mentor network. They don't, they don't, uh, kind of execute on the curriculum that we're talking about. They just kind of do what they're doing and they don't really change their business. I think that the, the telltale sign of somebody is how much has their business changed after the, the 90 days. Right. Um, if it hasn't changed much, then they really haven't done anything. They really haven't used the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, if, it, if it hasn't changed much, and then they're kicking butt, that's one thing. But that rarely is the case. Yeah. So, uh, well, I think one of the um, I think one of the strengths of accelerators that's often overlooked is the power to bring a community together. Um, it's not just about the investors or the mentors, uh, you know, helping new startups move forward. It's really about a community rallying around the idea of entrepreneurship and helping these early stage companies kind of get their bearings and, and move forward. You know, I've seen a lot of growth not just from you know year one but through the through the years of the community coming together and and you kind of get this momentum and you kind of build on the strengths and each year we change the program significantly each year based on what we've learned and who's in the program and all that kind of fun stuff um but i think an overlooked um benefit to a to an accelerator and having that in your community is the fact that it does bring people together on a regular basis not just to have cocktails but to actually work on real problems and with real companies and i think that changes the dynamic of the community when you have one of these in your backyard Absolutely. I, I think it's awesome that that the community is so involved with with the program and that, you know people dedicate their their personal time during their work day to come in and mm-hmm. and and talk to these teams to me that time and time again there are people who come in multiple times like mm-hmm. That's kind of amazing to me. I think as a mentor, one thing that some other people overlook or they say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to mentor or whatever it is. Um, you can benefit as well, right? Like yeah. I always, I, I, I don't like, uh, Diana Kander, would she use the term provocateur? Um, I like that a lot. That made a lot of sense to me. Um, but I think if you go into a program where you're asked to mentor and you think you're just going to like bestow all this knowledge on somebody, <laughs> right. like you're, you're, you're wrong. Um, and there's a lot of things and, and you know, a, a lot of topics and a lot of just by going through process and having questions asked by teams, like have made me rethink things. So I think that's a huge benefit. So selfishly, like I'm involved because I learn a lot. Um, I can leverage the network. 
Um, I do the meet and greets, you know? So I think, uh, again, people sometimes in a mentor position don't think about it like that. And some of the best mentors are the ones that don't come in with, I have all the answers. It's really the good mentors are the ones that just come in asking the good questions and get the entrepreneur to think through the situation maybe a little bit differently than they were thinking before. So who's going to win tonight, Brian? There's no winner or loser. Oh God. And the reason I say (laughs) (laughs) the reason I say that is because each, um, I mean, we have a variety of different, um, verticals that we look at and there are different stages and things along those lines. So I don't know if you can do a direct comparison. Maybe it's one thing if you have a vertical focus accelerator where they're all in this particular area. Um, if you we maybe, raise some cash next year, mm-hmm. can we score people or can you score people through in motion all year? And then we have one of those big giant oversized checks at the end of it for the winner. <laughs> I don't like doing that for a couple of reasons. One, I don't think it's fair to the particular teams because I think each team finds their own and you know, it's not about getting funded or it's not about quote unquote competing against the other teams in the accelerator. It's about how do you actually perform in the marketplace? And so that's where I think the winners will be chosen or seen from what they do in the marketplace. We don't have to kind of over dramatic, dramatic, pause or you know do this kind of thing to, to say you're a winner and you're that a loser. so much more fun that way brian ardinger <laughs> no check for you your bottom yeah <laughs> bottom will you list them out or you you congratulations you are the worst team i think i think motion. most you can watch the pitches and you can watch the teams and most people can figure out what who they like and what they you know who's doing well who's not doing well yeah i don't think it's important to necessarily bestow a, a you yeah. know a crown on one and a uh and kick the curb the other ones. So yeah. the market will do that. So what is, uh, what's some things that if, if you're a startup and you're wanting to get into an accelerator, uh, I think that how many, how many applications did we look over? We probably looked at, we had about 120, 150 direct applications and we probably looked at about 700 applications because we're part of the global accelerator <sighs> network. So we get, wow. we get all the, um, there's something called the GAN pool, which is just people who've applied to multiple accelerators and wow. maybe they don't fit in, you know, one in Boulder, but they fit into mm-hmm. our um, vertical here or something. So we look at, and we probably looked at six to 700 actual applications to whittle it down to Damn. seven. Huh. So I'd feel pretty special if I was one of those seven teams. <laughs> you should. So what, what is, uh, what does somebody got to do to get on our radar, to get on an accelerator's radar and, and make an impact in their application? Um, some of the things that we look for, obviously, the team is probably most important and not necessarily the idea. They've got to have an idea that's kind of interesting or juicy, but it doesn't have to be the perfect idea because we know that that will probably change when yeah. you actually start talking to customers and getting out there and, and trying to figure it out. The further along you are, the, the better from the standpoint of, you know, show us a prototype, show us a demo, you know, talk about your early traction, talk about where you're at. Those kind of things obviously go a long way. And then, you know, do your homework. There's probably two to 3,000 accelerators out there. And, you know, it's kind of this huge, you know, upswinging accelerators, find the ones that really can provide value to you and, and do your homework, you know, talk to the past teams that have gone through the program, talk to the mentors, um, know why you want to come to Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, what are the advantages that we can bring to you versus going to a different, why would somebody want to come to Lincoln, Nebraska? There's a couple different things. I don't know if I have to give my, because they're they're Husker fans. Husker fans are always (laughs) nice, but we, we've taken a number of Iowa fans and and Kansas city fans and even some folks from Seattle and Toronto. So, um, so I think some of the advantages that we bring to the table, obviously we're in a smaller community that's highly engaged 
And you're not going to get that with most yeah. accelerators around yeah. there. Secondly, we have a couple of different vertical markets that we really focus on. Sports tech obviously is huge here in, in Lincoln in the in the region with Huddle and Elite Form and, and Hale Varsity and all these other companies um, with a performance center at the UNL, um, University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And then you got things like ag tech, uh, marketing tech, and fintech, um, even ed- education and some others. Where we're looking at is trying to find the right fit for the right mentors f- with the right companies. And if we can help you move forward, those are the types of companies we want to have in our program. We sat down with Brett Byman, co-founder of Noble Health. My name is Brett Byman, and I am the co-founder and CEO of Noble. Yeah. So uh, tell me, like, maybe the an early founding story and kind of how that transitioned into how did you start and then how did that get into the accelerator? Yeah, so our team ended up coming together in December of 2012, and it was actually Brian Health, and which is a 600-bed hospital. It's the largest hospital here in Lincoln. Uh, they teamed up with a Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development, and kind of as a way to spur economic growth in the area, they hosted this competition. Others might call it a reverse hackathon, but key administrators at the hospital came together and identified a couple key problems that they were actively looking to solve. Um, these were problems to where they had looked into, uh, looked toward the market and couldn't really find anything that necessarily fit their needs or their budget. And so they sent it out to the local development and entrepreneurship community. And the ultimate problem that the, the hospital was looking to solve was was that of patient satisfaction and and. I don't even need to dive that that far into it, but they hosted this competition, and, and that's when myself and my co-founders came together and and said, you know, I think we can absolutely solve solve these problems. So what they gave us was uh, two and two to three months to come together, and, and they wanted to see some some sort of working prototype or, or something that was actually uh, built. So um, what made you confident that you were actually capable of kind of handling that problem? That's. That is a great question. Uh, I, it was our developers. So we had four co-founders when we first got started. Two were developers, and they're the ones who initially came together and said, "Hey, you, this, there's this competition out there. Uh, we can build a kick-ass product to solve this problem." Like no question, they they already knew what they were going to build and how they were going to go about it, and in their minds were already saying like. It's not really that difficult, uh, but they had worked together and, and tried to start things in the past where they realized, you know, if, if we want this to be a sustainable business, we, we need somebody on the business side. We, we need somebody on the sales side, essentially, somebody who can come in and pitch and sell, which is when they actually pulled me in. So a lot of people feel as though the, the CEO was, was kind of the brains or came up with the initial idea, which certainly is not the case uh, for us. I, I know other teams, uh, other companies kind of start uh, down that path for us. Uh, absolutely not the case. It, it was uh, the dev talent um, who... Uh, came together, said we can build something awesome, but they also were smart enough to realize that uh, there were gaps that they needed to fill on the team. So they pulled me in to, to kind of fill the the sales and presentation type role and business role. And then we realized, well, hey, we, we if we really want to do this, we, we kind of need a designer. Uh, as well, somebody who can come in, design an awesome product, the UI UX, uh, who can market and build brochures, beautiful uh, branding, so on and so forth. And which is when we pulled in our fourth co-founder. Um, so we 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 realized that you know we had this team in place in terms of how we had the confidence to to know that you know we could do this. I, I I'm not sure. I, I'm, I 
I don't think that that we did uh, early early on. Honestly, uh, we saw an opportunity and we took a shot. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty, and especially early on, we, we didn't know if it would work. But take, take me into the process of realizing from then. Uh, how did you How did you realize you needed to come, go into an accelerator? Yeah, so we presented our solution to Brian administrators in January of 2013, and we presented next to three or four other teams and companies, and they ended up looking at what we had built and said, guys, we we like this, we want to try it out, we want to see if it works. And that's when... um, we really stepped back and said, okay, we, we have this opportunity in the hospital to, to build out these, uh, or to, to really test and refine the solution and get it in the hands of caregivers. Um, but it was, it was through the network that I had heard about the idea of an accelerator. Um, I had heard of Techstars and I had seen some, some really cool companies. And, and I think early on, I, I just saw it as, as a logical next step. And for us, uh, knowing as an entrepreneur, uh, there's so much uncertainty and the odds are against us. Uh, I'm not sure if I officially have an, an entrepreneurship uh, minor from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. If not, I probably should because I think I took just about every entrepreneurship class that, that they took. But what I realized in school was that as entrepreneurs, the odds are against you. The odds of ever making it past the one-year mark, the, pa- the, the odds of ever raising uh, venture capital money, uh, all of these odds, like the longer and longer that you're making it three years, five years, 10 years, the odds just get so much, so much further stacked uh, against you to where I saw this idea of an accelerator and saw it as a way to really mitigate my risk as an entrepreneur, our, our risk as a small business and having a support structure and typically a community. So, so in Lincoln and the, uh, the end motion accelerator, having this Lincoln community that, and w- whatever city you're from, whether it's a Des Moines, the, the Des Moines community, uh, the Kansas city community, uh, the Denver Boulder community, whoever it might be having this community that was now invested in our, in our success I saw that as an awesome way to mitigate our risks as as a new business and as a startup. And so we, we applied to the accelerator, not really knowing it, knowing that the competition was going to be fierce, um, but knowing how important it, I, I thought it would be for for our team. And and uh, they people always have the concern. And, and early on, you know, there are pros and cons to to accelerators um, depending on what stage you're at. Um, some people are at a stage to where I would say you would be brain dead not to consider an accelerator. Others might already have the network and, and be able to to build a company. Maybe they built two or three companies and, and are at a point to where you know they, they might not be get, gain as much from an accelerator. Um, but for us, we were at the perfect stage. We, we were young and exp- we're still young and inexperienced. I, every single day, we're, we're, don't get me wrong, we're, we're learning new things, but I just saw it as a phenomenal way um, to, to mitigate our risks as entrepreneurs. Um, and people ask, you know, everybody uh, has an opinion in terms of, uh, you know, giving 15000 uh 50,000, 100,000. I, I now I'm talking to, to other healthcare accelerators who are positioned themselves to, to target companies like us at the stage we're at today to where we have some traction. We have hospitals. Yeah, exactly. We have hospitals on board. Uh, and so they'll give 200,000 in exchange for, for an equity percentage. And so I, I think 
uh, it certainly differs based upon the the entrepreneur and their experience as an entrepreneur. But for a company, uh, there are multiple opportunities at various stages. I think to where people can very much benefit from an accelerator. And we've been in the healthcare industry for two and a half, three years. And it's still extremely difficult to, to get into some of these hospitals and these these uh, hospital networks. And don't get me wrong, we're slowly but very surely building our brand recognition. We now have people who are hearing of us and reaching out to us. Um, but partnering with an accelerator, or joining an accelerator who's partnered with the Mayo Clinic and and uh, some of these organizations, hospital networks, whether it's CHI, whether it's HCA. Uh, uh, so CHI, Catholic, uh, Catholic Health Initiatives based on Denver and, and HCA, uh, Hospital Corporation of America, which is the largest multi-hospital network in the country. Uh, when, when accelerators have these partnerships, I mean, that's extremely valuable for us at, at this stage we're at today. We have traction and we're now ready to begin having conversations with a, a lot of those. Take, take yeah. me through... Um the, the mindset when you got accepted um, into InMotion and then kind of transition into like maybe some of your doubts and fears and your thought processes of actually getting in in the first couple of days during that accelerator. Yeah. Um, Good, bad, and ugly, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And for us, you got to kind of you got to kind of try and think now. Two years in the past, which in, in the entrepreneurial world is is an eternity. My goodness! But I, I do remember in, in those super early stages, it, everything was really exciting, and we were just kind of flying at the seat of our pants, and we very much still are flying at the seat of our pants. Uh, but we it, it was kind of this momentum effect to where. You know, we came together. We we won this Healthcare Connect competition. Uh, we got accepted in the motion and 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 applying. Um, we had no idea where we ranked, and and you know we for the application process we had to put together a video. And man, I I we need to go back and see if I can find that video. That would be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but putting together this video and and trying to I remember we we were coming together as a team and trying to be like you, you know we we want to show that you know that, that we're passionate and we were passionate, but um, putting these things together and just having no idea where you stacked up. But it it was all exciting like. And in entrepreneurship, even today, uh, the, I think a lot of the excitement is in the uncertainty and, and not knowing. But I remember we applied to End Motion and just really hoped that that we would get in and and kind of setting these goals to where like if we reach this, then you know that that's just gonna catapult us to, to the next level. And so for us, it was like in January, if we can just win this competition, then we'll be set and it'll catapult us here. And man, if we can just get into End Motion, then it'll catapult us and get us here and it was always this next thing and next thing and man if we can just sign contracts with the hospital and then it would get us here and to this day we're, we're just keep saying you know if, if we can just get to this next step so we always had something to to reach for or something to to strive for but with end motion you know we for me it, it was a gut feeling and and I mentioned, you know, different people have different opinions uh, on accelerators. You know, I had friends, family who said, why would you give up an equity percentage? Mm. Like at this stage, you, you already have Brian Health, who who is a uh, customer who you have a pilot with. You know, why would why would you give that up this early? It's dumb. And 
And for us, you know, I mentioned the, the risk mitigation. I, I saw so much value in that. And then people always give the example, you know, 100% of nothing is, is nothing. Uh, I, I think a lot of the best entrepreneurs see that, you know, for the right risk or um, for the right opportunity, it, it makes sense to, to give up a chunk. And, and so if they're taking 6%, it's actually Bart Dillashaw, who's a startup lawyer here in Lincoln, uh, who loves to, to give the, the example or the analogy or the explanation that, well, yeah, you're, you're giving up 6%, but is it helping you grow by, by 6%? Like, are you going to be 6% larger when you come out of it? For us, that that really put things into perspective in terms of you know I absolutely thought and 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 turned out to, to very much be true that um, it was well worth it and and well beyond. I mean, we we met our investors, uh, our our initial investors through through Motion, the the resources, the mentorships, uh, the, and that kind of push. I mentioned just kind of that support structure. I love the idea of having a community behind me that was also invested in, in our success. Somebody who wouldn't just let us roll over and die when things got tough. And I think entrepreneurs naturally are very resilient. Um, but there are times where, you know, you just kind of feel down and, and things aren't going the way you hope. And, and it's this constant roller coaster where one day Tell you're... Me about that. Yeah. Tell the, me about like one of your just pure down moments in the, in the midst of like... Oh, man. Yeah. So one of the examples for us, you, you want one of the lows? Yeah. All right. All right. So one of the lows, we, uh, it was at the end of the summer. So we, we had just finished our 120 day pilot at the hospital and that's what they gave us was 120 days test or find the solution and we'll see if it works. And after those 120 days, we were just kind of waiting on results and we weren't hearing anything from from the hospital, and and we now realize that just getting through to really anybody, whether they're a current customer, or p- prospective customer, the healthcare healthcare administrators are just so busy to wear, and it's super difficult to get a call back. But anyway, it was this this month following the 120 day pilot, where we had no idea if it had produced any results. We weren't hearing back from people at the hospital in terms of. You know, what's the word? Or, like, do you have any data that we can begin crunching? Uh, we, we just weren't hearing much. We had no idea what was going on. And that entire month was just brutal. Like the, the turmoil of just not knowing. Uh, for me, like, I, I don't care one way or the other. It's just I, I just have to know so that I can I can choose my next steps and, and start running. Um, and so that that month, I think it was... August, like August of 2013, to where we just didn't know. We had spent all this time, uh, yeah, b- building this this product. We all had full time jobs on the side. We we were going through this accelerator, and we just had no idea if our company was gonna flop, like the the following day, the next day, and that that was definitely a low. But then, of course, it, it turned around and we got results back, and and they were way better than we could have ever hoped. And then it was like, holy shit, we're back on top of the world. Uh, and so very much just how that roller coaster works. And, and it's never ending, but it, it's exciting. I'll tell you that much. Give me an example of how you pivoted in your thinking or, or pivoted in your either business model, pivoted in your name, which I know you did, pivoted mm. in your just general thinking about like how did, how did that happen? Yeah. 
so very early on as we were, and this is another thing that, that came as a result of Motion. Uh, one of the other teams going through, it just so happened that his mom was a recently retired or, or soon to retire nurse uh, at HCA or in an HCA facility. And once again, Hospital Corporation of America, largest hospital network in, in the country. And so I, I talked to her and I remember having this conversation on the phone, just mentioning, you know, hey, we're doing this. Uh, we built this product. Uh, it allows nurses to work together to check on patients and so on and so forth. And in the middle of this conversation, she said, man, if this raises the hospital's HCAPS scores, like you can get this into any hospital in the country. And, and I'd never heard of the term HCAPS. And I'm just like, what the hell is that? It turns out, so an HCAPS score, it's this national survey that hospitals now need to submit. And their Medicare reimbursement is now at stake as a result of these patient satisfaction scores. And, and so what she mentioned in this call was if this has any impact on a hospital's HCAPS or patient satisfaction scores, sold done. And that's when we realized like we've been building this product and didn't really understand the underlying problem that we were solving. So that's when we went back and began to do the research more and more and find out that holy crap, patient satisfaction, patient safety, the, the how big of a problem uh, inpatient falls are in, in this country and and in terms of pressure ulcers and and all these hospital acquired conditions all of these things that, that our, our solution was solving that we had no idea about. We, we, we got really lucky. I, I feel like we, we just built out this cool product that, that solved. And I, I think it was really the administrators at Brian who, who knew the underlying reason. And we just never had that conversation. Um, but, and so we just built it out and, and just kind of followed their lead and built it in collaboration to find out, well, this is how nurses are going to use it. And we want to make sure that it does this. And we want to make sure uh, that nurses are, are actually doing it and, and this way. And there's this accountability component. And, because of these things, we, we later realized that all of those things that we built out or, or that the hospital cared cared about turned out to be the most valuable components of our solution. Um, but had I not had some of those initial conversations uh, with with uh, staff, uh, uh, nurses, nurse uh, directors, administrators, I w- we would have never even known what the true value we we were providing was. So. So I'll give you some time to think about this one. Uh, this is the last question. Um, one sentence well, for somebody who is thinking about applying to, a, to an accelerator. Maybe you don't have to think about it. Just one sentence. God, I hate, I hate these kind of questions. <laughs> one sentence. Um, I might need to give this one uh, a, a couple tries, <laughs> a, a couple run-throughs. Um, but when considering an accelerator, no, no two accelerators are created equal. Each one, I think, specializes in, and is able to provide something unique and something different. Go back and, and look at your company, where you're at, what challenges you're actively today trying to overcome, and see if, it's, if it makes sense for the stage you're at as an entrepreneur, your team is at, uh, the company is at. But I guarantee you that if you don't even look into it, don't even consider it, it can very well be one of the worst decisions you can make as an entrepreneur. 
is not even explore the opportunity or the idea. Uh, you can consider it just a super run-on sentence. Like, <laughs> just a comma, just commas. Yeah, yeah, just commas all the way through, okay. just leading to the next. If, if you would have seen it written down, you, you would have realized that it, it was just one super... Grammar is one thing that I, I think has gotten, I've gotten much better at, but yeah, run-on sentences still, I, I, I got to work on that. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much to Brett Byman for taking time to catch up with us. If you have a question for us this week, don't hesitate to reach out on Twitter, at the IO Podcast. And if you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, go ahead and do that now. Also, you can follow the hosts of the show, at Ardinger, at Paul Jarrett, and me, at Matt Boyd, on Twitter as well. Music for this podcast is brought to you by bensound.com. Until next time, go build something big.